listening to The Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Susie Warren-Smith and for the next half an hour or so we're going to be talking all things food and drink. It's the Food Talk Show and I'm with my buddy here, AJ Sharp, who's a taste flavour expert. I was wondering where you're going to go with that. Taste Hello. expert, yeah, hiya, hiya. Um, we all know, I think, that, that you sort of own and run a PR company that mm-hmm. particularly specialises in food and drink. How do you approach it? when you're you know you've got clients and stuff is is it do you look at yourself as a consumer and think what what would i what would i do if i was you know tasting this or doing this as a consumer i'm going around the shops and i'm deciding what to buy how do you get yourself in a mindset to advise companies well it depends entirely i mean we are just to be really boring we're always really strategic so actually it depends on the company and it depends what story they're trying to tell and to whom Mm. um but from a taste point of view definitely i mean that's always the first thing we do it's like you know even at the pitching stage like can you send us some products so we can try it just to make sure that we're really kind of you know you think it's a really good product and i I think from uh, the media point of view they know that certain pr agencies always work with companies of a certain kind of level yeah you know i hope we've got that reputation i mean we've had literally hundreds and hundreds hundreds of guests on this show over the last seven or eight years or whatever it is and some have come from the industry, haven't they? Yeah. You know, they've always been in the food industry and then yeah. they've, they've moved and or maybe they could do it by themselves. And then some are completely from something else like banking or... Do you think one thing's better than the other or... I think careful it's really what you're saying interesting. Here, guess, just careful what you say. <clears throat> because I think it, it is so hard to run a really good food business from scratch to set it up, to get it out there. It's hard. If you're in the industry, you know that. And actually, you know, you talk to somebody like Jason Gibb, who runs Bread and Jam, and he goes, oh, it's hard what these guys are doing. I wouldn't want to do it. You know, he's done it, obviously, before himself. But I think sometimes when you come in fresh from, you know, insurance or banking or whatever, and you're there, you know, we've had a few, haven't we? We've set up distilleries and breweries. They're coming at it with a completely different level of thinking. They don't know the challenges in advance, so sometimes that must be tough but are not kind of floored by those challenges because they were always expecting it to be hard because they didn't know all, all the stuff beforehand. Yeah. And yeah. I think I think it makes a really interesting product and it's different. But when I set up my business, if I'd have known half of what I'd have known, I wouldn't have done it for sure because it is so hard. And then you just have to get, you have to get on with it and, and I know, just be flexible it, and change and, and, you know, whatever. But it is hard and I think a lot of people go into the food sector thinking it's going to be your sex and it's really tough. I think this is where the kind of mentoring side of our business set up where I would be talking to someone, they had a great product, great business. And just that whole thing when you're setting it up, where you're pushing out into the darkness so much of the time, you're writing to buyers, you're writing to journalists, you're writing to all these people and you're going, come on, someone, someone, bite, something, come back. And then suddenly it happens. And it's always that point where you think, I think I'm going to give up now. I've had enough. I've had enough that actually there's a tsunami is about to start. Yeah. Mm. Well, our guest today is Tom Walker from Holy Moly. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. You're very kindly bought loads of stuff with you, which is very good. I do buy your avocado things. It's, you've got a very distinct brand. The packaging's very distinct. Yep. It stands out really well. Uh, and I think that's that's one of the reasons why I first tried it, because I thought, oh, that looks interesting. I'll, I'll give that a go. Mm. Tell us about 
first of all, how you started, because you've got a mate called Gaz Booth. Yeah. So tell us how you two met, and then why on earth would you go into the food sector? So Gaz and I have known each other since school. So we went to uh, secondary school together. Yeah. Um, we went to the same university, studied business, did the same graduate scheme uh, at BT, and we both had careers in telecoms. So Marvellous. Um, That's really set you up for avocados, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as I guess as you were talking about just then, we've gone into this not knowing anything about what we're doing. Um, we, we had corporate jobs and, you know, I was in marketing, Gaz was in strategy and finance. And our whole business has literally come about um, from from the eyes of a consumer, um, you know, effectively making up as as we've gone along. But But we've totally turned that to our advantage. So, so what do you do? So you're, you're working at British Telecom. Yeah. And and then you say, I'm really I'm really good at making guacamole. I just am. I'm just so good at it. Uh, I think I'm going to give all of that up. All that salary, all the perks that go with it, I'm going to sit in my kitchen and I'm going to make that. Was it, it like that? It no. doesn't sound quite as sensible as uh, <laughs> as, it, as it could have. Is that, is, that, is that literally what happened? It literally, so it began with the C word. Um, me and Gaz uh, had an argument about... Oh, coriander. Coriander. Uh, and who makes the best guacamole. No way. Yeah. So uh, Gaz came over to, to my flat. I made a guacamole. I don't like coriander. Um, I think a proportion of people, are, they taste soap. Uh, there, there's a um, there's a natural um, like physical a reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My daughter has it, and we're going. Oh God, she's coming this weekend. We have to get the coriander out of the house, whereas it's my favourite. Yeah. yeah. So Gaz puts tons in his. Yeah. Um, and and he kicked off because I don't. That little argument kind of planted a, a seed, and I guess we went away and thought, why is it that shop bought guacamole tastes nothing like homemade? Yeah. Neither of us bought it. Uh, we would always make our own. Actually, it's it's a bit of a pain to make your own because you end up playing the avocado lottery. You buy a bag of avocados and, you know, some will be rock hard or others will be what? brown. Yeah, why is that? It's difficult. You're, you're, you're working with a natural fruit from, you know, it could be from either Mexico yeah, to South not, Africa. They're not grown here. So they're not grown here. No. They they travel a long way. They're, they're often, the whole fruits are often um, force ripened to try and get them perfect. Um, but it's it's a lottery. Um, so, you know, we, we, we kind of had this frustration as consumers of there's a product on the shelf in a supermarket that doesn't taste like our own. Actual, we always make our own. Yeah, the actual ingredients a are a bit of a lottery, as you say. A bit of a lottery. Yeah. And, you know, at the time there were, there were preservatives, they'd add dairy and fillers and thickeners. Uh, and we thought, you know, how hard could it be to make guacamole? That, what a stupid question. <laughs> how hard can it be to make guacamole that tastes like homemade yeah. that you can sell in the supermarkets? And as two guys that were in telecoms, we thought it can't be that difficult, can it? Um, so in your head, what are you thinking? Are you thinking, I'm going to make it and then I'm what? I'm going to take a couple of jars around to, I don't know, Mr Sainsbury's and he'll be fine with it. I mean, what was what was going through your head? So now you say it, it sounds fairly mad. Um, <laughs> because any business is about whether you can sell it or not. And yeah. you can, might have the greatest thing on, on the planet, but if you can't get people to buy it, you, you, you are a bit sort of stuck. No, absolutely. Uh, and I think this is where the, the product and the taste um, really comes in. So we literally learnt through Googling how <laughs> shop, shop-bought dips are made. Right. Um, and it turns out 
there's there's one of a handful of facts. Was this like two in the morning of the same night after Pretty having much. had an argument? Yeah. Pretty much. Love um, it. We found out that, you know, the, there's one of a handful of factories that make all the dips for all the supermarkets. That's why they're all the same. It was a whole category in the supermarket, not just guacamole, but the whole dip section yeah. um, seemed super bland and there was no differentiation, no innovation. And learnt through Google that, you know, this is how they're made at the moment. And if we want to produce something that's fundamentally better, we need to produce it in a very different kind of way. But how do you match that price point, though? You know, because the reason why that all those things are added is to is to get the get the price down and get mm. volume up, price down, you know, all that sort of stuff. Take shortcuts. Yeah. Um, Although did having you... dairy probably doesn't bring the price down. No. No. But um, did that cross your mind? Like we have to match this price, or what struck us was. That section in the supermarket was quite a value-driven right. category. And it's yeah, impulse, yeah, yeah. isn't it, right? Because you've got friends coming round and you've bought some crisps and then you're at the dip section going, cool, right, what, what do I feel like tonight? Yeah, it, we saw an opportunity whereby, you know, there were other bits of the supermarket where brands were coming in yeah. that were quite cool and different and producing better quality products that they could sell at a higher price point. And, you know, we we did see that, you know, guacamole in the supermarket was cheap. You know, you can go even cheaper by by buying the squeezy bottle guacamole from oh, the... Uh, disgusting. No. no disgusting. Yeah. Never heard of that. That sounds no. revolting. In no. the ambient section. Um, <laughs> but actually, other brands and other categories produce better products that they could sell at a, a, at a premium. Premium price, yeah. And, and for us, it's not kind of around creating a product that's expensive. It's about providing value. Yeah. And when you think about what goes into a pot of guacamole... You know, we've got two whole avocados. Um, per pot. Per pot. Wow. wow. So, you know, an avocado could be one, one fifty, two pounds in the in the supermarket. Yeah. So we didn't want to be restricted from from the outset of sure. things on the shelf are too cheap, therefore we shouldn't try and do better. Yeah. Um what we focus on is how can we make it better? So so you've had an argument, yeah. you've then spent quite a lot of time on Google. Yeah. You've got your recipe, which you're arguing between you, whose is the best. How do you then Right, you go. I can't. If we're going to do this, we can't buy bags of avocados in the supermarket because there's too many, too much wastage. Where do you think you were going to get your avocados from? So we <laughs> we thought where, where better to get avocados than the home of the avocado in Mexico? Right. And within about three weeks of the argument, uh, we were on a plane <laughs> to uh, to rural Mexico. Booking.com tab is now open. Right, uh, book your holiday. <laughs> So for your holiday, guys, we're off to Mexico. <laughs> we, we, we had to rural Mexico um, and found a four-generation family-owned avocado orchard. How? Google. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not like, staying in a hotel in the middle of nowhere? Yeah. No, okay, right. In a, in a rural community of avocado farmers. Presuming you can speak Spanish, obviously. Don't speak a word of Spanish. Of course. And we, we found this lovely family that primarily grow avocados to, to export to the, the US. And and what we found is that they will have small fruit, wonky fruit, ugly fruit, um, avocados that, that they can't export. Um, and they were turning that into guacamole. So we thought... We'll have that. We'll have a bit of that. Rather than, you know, doing what everybody else was doing and bringing an avocado and processing it here in the UK and adding, you know, the, the various dried powders and preservatives, we'll make it at source using avocados practically straight off the tree wow. um, that have been sun-ripened, so taste totally different to an avocado you get in the shop. Only use local fresh ingredients that we'd use at home. Yeah. That was kind of part of the, the you know, how do we make a better product? 
um, let's use fresh ingredients and local ingredients. Um, no preservatives, no dried onion powder or or preservatives. Um, and we also discovered kind of one thing that they were doing there is they're using a particular technology um, called high pressure processing, which which you more commonly come across in cold pressed juices, um, and and that would allow us to produce the product and and seal it on the avocado orchard use this technology to give it its shelf life without any preservatives wow, okay. um, and then bring it over to the UK. Most most avocados growers will, will pick, pick it not ripe yeah, and then they'll ripen it on, on the whatever the travel they're doing, ship or whatever it is, won't they? Or they'll ripen it in containers when they get to here. Yeah. And that's why it doesn't taste brilliant. It, and that's why you get so honestly, much damage. it tastes damage. so different yeah. off, off a tree, as, as you can imagine. Um, they get picked when they're rock hard, then they travel by sea, then they go into big can, the big warehouses, yep. often in an, an ethylene environment, to to force ripen them, and then they make it to yep. to market shelves. So, by us producing at source and actually sealing the product at source, it's it's literally avocados fresh off the tree. So you and Gaz are, you know, obviously trying to have a conversation with the Mexican family who've never seen you before, and they're already doing something in a particular way. How did you persuade them to? I presume you're still working at BT at this point. You're just taking a bit of holiday. Off. Still working at BT. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love this. Um, so no, we, we were still in our full-time jobs, and actually, this was a side hustle for the first couple of years. We—I don't know—we had a dream, we had a vision. We, we, we. It tried... sounds like a dare more than a vision. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Doesn't further, it? Yeah, there, there, there was some wine involved in the original argument. Yes. And, um, but we, we, we saw this opportunity. We saw this bit of the supermarket that we thought we could help shake up. We tried this product in Mexico and it literally tasted like what we'd produce mm-hmm. at home, if yeah. not better, because of the avocados being so fresh. Yeah. And and we were just convinced that, you know, that there's an opportunity here. Mm. Um, and we somehow managed to convince the, uh, the Mexican family that, you know, we were worth backing. Now, now, the reason why I am being quite flippant, though, um, actually, Tom, is that Holy Moly is now selling £2.2 million worth of this stuff. You know, you've got a really decent business now, haven't you? So so whilst I have been taking the mickey, it's going really well, isn't it? It's, it's been growing super quickly. Yeah. Um, we're we're actually... going to taste some. Taste mm. it. I've just tasted it. Which one's this? This, this is this original. The, the original. Okay, I do buy this, so I'm not going to be shocked by this. But yes, sorry, do carry on. So we started selling in Waitrose, um, and it was back in 2017. Um, since we've grown to almost 9,000 stocking points um, in pretty much all the major supermarkets. So How did you do that? How did you know who to go to at Waitrose and buy Google it. That's going to be his answer. I'll tell Google you now. It. It's, someone, it's Google it. It's LinkedIn. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Search function. Yeah. Waitrose buyer. Um, it, it was... It was it was really around using our network, so it was kind of friends of friends of friends that we might have known that now work for supermarkets to to get an in. And what we found is that the product kind of sold itself, mm. uh, and it didn't need that much selling. You know, we it was an alternative to what they had that um, could be sold at a premium, so add value back into yep. a, a category. Um, that was quality, that didn't have preservatives, and had a longer shelf life. We had I mean, like three, four times the shelf life of the the existing dips. They're not going to um, not going to talk to you if you've got a new gin, are they? No, because there's too many. It's just now. too many, and I think I think the point for for you is there wasn't anything, and differentiation was clear, and buyers 
would spot that, wouldn't they? Absolutely. But yeah. it, what's really interesting, and I was it, I was just thinking about, um, do you remember when Nikki Clark from Renourished came on the oh, show? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And all of her soups are really incredible and really high nutrition value because they're cold pressed. And it's the same technology. I was just, you know, we, Tom and I were talking just before we came in the studio here. It's the same technology that keeps all the nutrients in. But actually, having not heated it, you haven't ruined the flavour, you haven't no. changed the, the, the nature. And the nutritional value is right up there. But the shelf life is longer. I know. I do still describe it as witchcraft. I shouldn't. Yeah. But... <laughs> so, so you're the taste expert. What do you reckon on this? I love it. You, I love. Have you had it before? I have had this one before. Yeah. I, buy, I buy this one. I love it because there's a little bit of uh, texture in there, which I yeah. think is good. And it's got that, a little bit of that citrus, which I really quite like. A tiny it's bit garlicky. And there, there is a little touch of citrus, but I like the way the garlic comes through as you're eating Yeah, it. so I don't really like garlic very much if it's strong, and that is just perfect. It's enough, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's enough, enough. It's that good. the natural avocado yeah. flavours are still allowed to shine. What's this, um, what's this other one here, Tom? So this is our smashed avocado. Um, this didn't exist. Smashed avocado. Yeah. What's the difference between that and guacamole? This is super millennial. Love this it. is super millennial. So this oh, is avocado ready for toast. So it's ah, two avocados smashed Way more up citrusy. With lime... Salt oh, yeah. and uh, cracked black pepper, mm. and so if you want avocado on toast, if you for want your avocado breakfast. on toast, and you don't want to play the avocado lottery, or or, or get avocado, you can't get hand. any avocados because of whatever reason. Yeah. Mm. Um, so this is the the super convenient way to have delicious avocado on toast, mm. which is as a millennial my favourite breakfast, ofs with my latte. <laughs> Only if it's got a bit, a couple of slices of crispy bacon on it. What? Get a little bit of salt. That's not millennial. Marvellous. No, I don't. Not millennial. <laughs> not definitely not millennial. I do like some or, chili flakes on the top of mine. Yeah, a bit of chili and uh, that, but that and bacon inside a bagel. It'd be Marvelous. delicious, and that would absolutely cut through the salt of the kind mm. of crispy pancetta. Right, but we don't just do that, do we, Tom? We no. do other things. Uh, hummus. Hummus. Now this I do make my own. This is super new. This is super new. So we only launched this a few weeks ago. This is ago. pesto I've hummus. i tried this already. Pesto hummus? This is a pesto topped hummus. And Why? <laughs> because That's pesto is incredible. Okay. Right. This is so, why I'm not allowed to get to Just explain market. while we're eating what is in hummus for anybody who doesn't know. So um, it's chickpeas, um, a delicious uh, roast sesame tahini. Uh, we've got garlic, um, extra virgin olive oil. And that's about it. A um, bit of salt, seasoning. I have and to then, say. Do you make your own pesto on the top? This is our own pesto. It's actually a plant-based pesto. Oh, is it? Mm. So no parmesan? No parmesan. So how have you got that salty, parmesan-y nature? There's, um, there's some soy in it. Okay, mm. amazing. Now, I would never put pesto with hummus. It's strangely good. It goes really well. Why wouldn't mm. you put pesto with hummus? I don't know. I just don't think of it, I don't think. It's nice stirred in, so um, we say yeah. heavenly when stirred. Mm. Mm. It's kind of thing my family would love. We have a phrase, which is, I think this needs zhuzhing up. Yeah. And mm. zhuzhing might involve putting a dollar per pesto into the hummus. Or So to me, this is, mm. I bought it the minute I saw it, because I was like, yes, this is, this is already done for me. Mm. Then what have we got here? Is this normal? This oh. is our, our take on uh, a plain or original hummus. So this has a, a garlic oil on top. Um, and a, a whole you thing. Mustn't kiss anybody tonight, AJ. I'm mm. just telling oh, well. you. <laughs> I've got netball. I could breathe in their faces. <laughs> That'll get them to back off. So what, what we've tried to do is create a hummus that's more like what you'd make at home or, or get in a restaurant. So um, supermarket hummus, it's great. I buy it. It's quite gritty. 
going to say, yeah, it doesn't um, taste like it's at all. Coarse, um, doesn't taste like what you might make at home or... What do you say about this? You're the taste person. I like it. I like the texture. I like that you can still taste the skins on the mm. um, chickpeas. Really nice, nutty nature from the chickpeas has come through. I got a big spoonful of garlic oil on mine. Well then I took a, a second one without the garlic oil. And actually, the hint of it is the best. That's the kind of sweet spot, isn't it? Mm. And we've also used the same high-pressure processing, cold-pressed technology. So for, for this product, we might get... 40 days shelf life um, wow and it'll taste as fresh on the day you, you try it as the day it's made amazing and do you do that you know how the guacamole is made at source mm -hmm. do you do the same for the chickpeas because obviously we can't grow those here in the uk can we no so we, we make this in in europe the chickpeas are, are sourced locally to, to where where it's produced um but part of the the key for us is finding somewhere with the technology to to give it that that cold press yeah, benefit. in essence really you're you you have actually, both of you, ended up having a technology company in essence. And then what you're trying to do is look at how you can use that technology with these these different sorts of dips and where you can source it and, and how you can make that whole supply chain all the way through work. That's your business model in essence, isn't it? In a way. The technology's been absolutely key. Yeah. Um, we didn't set out to create a technology business. We set out yeah. to create dips that tasted like homemade yeah. that that you can buy in the supermarket um but but i think you've been technology. smart enough to understand that that you could only do it if you made it in the country of source and yeah. then what you've done is work out the logistical problems involved with that and and work your way through them yeah and, and the benefits aren't just in the taste or or the nutritional value mm. that sh that longer shelf life has a massive impact um of course when we consider it from a, a sustainability angle um, there's a huge amount of food waste um, involved in chilled supply chains in particular. Mm. And if, if you've got a hummus with a 10-day shelf life, for instance, you'll have some waste probably in the factory or on its way to the supermarket. You'll have waste on the supermarket shelf. And then often you'll get waste at home. I, I often find that I can't eat a supermarket hummus fast enough before it it goes out of date so i don't take any notes those dates anyway i don't i always have a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old and if if i get any hummus <laughs> i've done well because mm. they will just eat it with spoons out of mm. the packet so have you taste this thing. one this, this one is garlic is so interesting garlic aioli mm. you know when you taste it you get that really <clears throat> marmy almost ever so slightly cheesy but in a good way flavor really rich creamy and I just looked at the side and it says it's plant-based. And you know that moment where you think... How See, I don't like garlic, Alioli, because it's got too much garlic in it generally. Oh, I love that. But it tastes... I really like that. ...really natural, doesn't it? It's it really, really nice. I think it must be the rapeseed oil. It's almost like a nutty nature that comes it in. Is it is really nice. Mm. It, was, um, it was super difficult to create a plant-based creamy dip. Um, and we really went on a journey of trying every combination of ingredients yeah. that, that would allow us to come up with something that's natural... But also had the right texture, the right the right mouthfeel, good the taste. And it's made with garlic puree and garlic powder, but it doesn't taste like garlic powder. No. It tastes like real no, garlic. It's really good. Amazing. So once you open these packets, how long do they then last? It varies by product, but a couple of days. They're totally natural. So the avocado yeah. products will last as long as an open avocado um, or your own homemade guacamole. Five minutes then. Five minutes. <laughs> um, but we tend to find that people are. Eat it yeah, before, no, uh, just, before it goes brown. Yeah, sure. You don't get many kind of half-eaten tubs in the fridge. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the hummus, just like normal hummus, so two days. So fantastic. Yeah. So, you, what were you saying about um, the actual products? Um, 
kind of avocados that are going into these products? Because you were telling me about, you know, because you guys are B Corp, aren't you? So you have a really very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Ethical. Yeah, ethical, but, you know, you have to be very careful about your values chain. You have to make sure that you kind of met all the farmers and things like that. So what links have you had to go to on that level? So the way that we source has been absolutely key to to how we kind of set up the business. From day one, found a family to produce our, um, our, our first avocado products, but it was all around finding suppliers and farmers and growers where um, you know we, we can see where the ingredients are coming from. We can we can meet it's just the farmers. Transparent. It's super yeah, super it's transparent. And transparent. Yeah. And and what we found I mentioned earlier, what we found is that you know we, we're using fruit that can't be um, can't be sold as whole head fruit. So mm. again, potentially waste. Yeah. Um, we we also produce um, in Colombia, and I was out there a few months ago, um, meeting some of the farmers, and we work with around nine hundred farms in Colombia some of them are tiny you know one man band um tiny output but we're we're providing a route for them to sell avocados that that they couldn't ordinarily sell and and I was having a look through them and some of them are tiny you know tiny little wonky avocados or you know they might have hail damage but that's that's great what why not exactly you know they're beautiful fruit and once once they're open um, it it doesn't matter And and so kind of having that having that kind of view of where the product's coming from, where the ingredients are coming from, has been key. And, and we, we apply that across all of our products. We work well, using the waste and Good giving these farmers yeah. an income from Absolutely. the fruit that they probably couldn't mm. sell elsewhere, which exactly. is fantastic. So just finally, you're doing really well, you and your mate Gaz Booth, after an argument about <laughs> coriander. What, what, what are you planning in the future? Just bigger and better and more products or...? Bigger, better, more products. Um, pretty much all, all, all three of those. Uh, so we, we continue to grow and expand. Uh, we're launching into the co-op in Ooh. a couple of weeks, which uh, we're super excited about. Yeah. Uh, the hummus is brand new for us. And so a big part of kind of the short term will be the launch of hummus. We've actually got a third version coming out. Um, it launched today. What's the flavour? Um, it's harissa topped hummus. Ooh, see, I like harissa. Love harissa. Yeah. And it's got this kind of lovely drizzle of... Yeah, harissa infused it's oil, beautiful red. Mm. So that's uh, that's launching into ASDA. Uh, it's going to be going to Sainsbury's. Very uh, good. So hummus is a big area. We've got a snacking product, so avocado and tortilla chips, um, and smashed avocado and mini toasts. Yeah. Oh wow! Uh, so we're going to be launching cool. shortly. Good. Um, and we continue to look at other markets, so yeah. international. Well, the the brand um, is very strong. The package packaging is yeah, very strong. It. So if you look at Holy Moly. Um, and it's in it's in nearly everywhere now. Let's face it, it's nearly everywhere. I presume people could go online, but but there's enough outlets. Where you probably don't need to do that anymore. Supermarkets, uh, online Supermarkets stores. Supermarkets and online stores. Yeah. So, um, thank you so much, um, Tom. Really interesting story, don't you think, AJ? I love it. Yeah, really cool. A pair of them are mad. <laughs> don't you think? It makes me want to shout, "Holy guacamole!" Yeah. <laughs> but. You know, if you, if you, I mean, you can see Tom's really passionate. You can do it even if you don't have a background. 
I think maybe you're better at it if you don't have a background, to be honest. Because you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. That's, just that's, that's to, a good thing, though, to isn't get on it? With it just Google it. Yeah, just Google it. Um, thanks again, Tom. We'll put a link to your website because it's, uh, it's quite good fun, isn't it? So, Thank so, you. Yeah. No thanks, AJ. Thank you. I'm going to have some more um, I'm gonna have some more of that guacamole. I'm going for aioli. I bet you are. I bet you are. Uh, so you've been listening to the Food Talk Show. Uh, we're syndicated to loads of radio stations around the UK and we're on oh, every platform you can imagine. And is there anything else I'm supposed to mention? Foodtalk.co.uk. Podcast Radio. Podcast Radio. If you, um, you want to syndicate our lovely radio programme for free, uh, please do get in contact with us at hello at foodtalk.co.uk. I hope you have a good week. We're going to tuck into some avocado. Okay. Aioli. No. Aioli. How do you say it? I can't use it. Aioli. Aioli. Aioli.